Hello, welcome to the third episode of the CityWire Selector MedTech Under the Microscope podcast. MedTech or medical technology has emerged as a fascinating theme with COVID-19 pushing health concerns higher up people's agendas, but also onto the investment radar of many asset managers in this space. But what areas does it cover and how can people focus their attentions properly? I'm Federica Tedeschi, a reporter, CityWire Selector, and joining me today is Jamie Jenkins, co-head of BMO GAMS Global Equities Team. Jamie is also the lead portfolio manager of both the BMO Responsible Global Equity Fund and the BMO SDG Engagement Global Equity Fund. And healthcare is one of the top five sectors in both funds. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. How would you describe the main healthcare issues at present? Clearly, the last couple of years have put healthcare right up the global agenda, obviously been dominated by the COVID-19 situation. And there are many direct and indirect impacts that are flowing from that um, pandemic. But there are also very big long-term structural themes around medtech and healthcare that we think are very, very long, long duration. They are topics like aging, they're topics like obesity, topics like the drive towards personalized medicine and therapy therapies. And and then beyond that, you know, things like robotics in, in the medtech sector. And what led you start uh, investing in the medtech sector? And also, how would you describe your investment approach in detail and what opportunities have arisen in light of this approach? Um, investing in the medtech sector has consistently been of central interest to us. We're really looking to embrace companies that are delivering um, you know, really positive outcomes for uh, patients, um, d- delivering both therapeutic benefit and cost benefits. And so we've always had a very meaningful allocation to the uh, health and well-being and medtech area. Um, you know, in terms of our approach, um, we, we have a really simple three-step philosophy, which we call avoid, invest and improve. We want to avoid companies with damaging or unsustainable business practices. We want to invest in companies that make a positive contribution to society and or the environment. But then we also want to use our influence as an investor to encourage best practice management of environmental, social and governance issues through long-term ownership of companies, through engagement dialogue and voting. Although we have many best-in-class companies in the medtech space, we also have companies where we see scope for significant improvement, and we're happy to invest in some of those companies as well. Over the last decade, many investors operating in different areas have fully integrated ESG considerations into their investment decisions. Looking to your funds, I can see that about one-fifth of your portfolio's holdings contribute towards health and well-being, which is one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, also known as Global Goals. What is your approach towards ESG and how have you managed to implement the Global Goals within your strategy? We are thinking about ESG in a highly integrated fashion from start to finish of our uh, investment process. Absolutely central to our approach is what we call our AIM framework. We're talking about additionality, intentionality, and materiality of every company we invest in. And we use this AIM framework within our sustainability matrix. 
the sustainability matrix is a it's a kind of formulaic grid that each analyst can adapt for individual companies. And it helps us break apart what makes one company more or less sustainable compared to its peers. The conclusions we make around the additionality, intentionality and materiality, it has a direct impact on the discount rate that we use to drive our discounted cash flow models. Let's talk about new ideas now. How are some of the top medtech holdings in your portfolio innovating the healthcare space? Some of our companies we've held for many years already because we believe that these companies still have the ability to innovate. Um, you know, we have some very significant companies in the funds today. Um, in the Responsible Global Equity Fund, uh, we, we hold companies like Thermo Fisher, Scientific. We hold companies like Metla Toledo, Illumina, um, yeah, CVS Health, Hoyer, AstraZeneca, Becton Dickinson, Becton Dickinson and CSL. And so, you know, when we think about, we think quite holistically around health and well-being and med tech. And we, we've, over the last decade, we've consistently held a, a very significant overweight to what we would call the life sciences and equipment space and a relatively cautious underweight position to traditional pharmaceuticals and biotech. Going to more details, what is the geographical exposure of your medtech holdings? So there's an overwhelming dominance to the US in our medtech holdings. Um, you know, clearly, the, the US market is an enormous market in its own right, but we also see a lot of, the, lot of innovation happening in the US. And we, we see that happening at both the uh, pharmaceutical level, biotech level, and equipment level. And it's the equipment level that we've seen a particularly strong, um, uh, strong performance from over the last decade. Uh, the life sciences and diagnostics area, we're particularly interested because of this shift towards prevention rather than just cure. And we think that a lot of these diagnostics companies um, can, can add so much value to society and also to patients. Aside from North America, which other countries do you think are emerging in terms of um, medtech? A, a lot of the medtech companies are global. So they, they do reach into other markets um, from their home market. Uh, you know, we do have a little bit of exposure to Japan through Medtech, uh, a company called Hoya, where, you know, they, 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 they're involved in endoscopes as well as, well as ophthalmic um, products such as you know, spectacles and eyeglass lenses and contact lenses. But one of the things we've observed um, over the last couple of years, certainly, and we're keeping a close eye on, particularly around Asia, and Hong Kong and China has been this growth of telemedicine, you know, uh, virtual consulting. Uh, so this is this is a trend that has obviously been accelerated through the pandemic. And whether it's in China or India, we're kind of keeping track on uh, the, the, the pace of innovation that we're seeing in the healthcare space. Why do you think some Asian countries are more ahead than European countries in terms of telemedicine? Well, I think often the rollout of telemedicine is very much connected to the um, availability of high-speed mobile internet. 
and we've certainly seen, uh, you know, countries like, you know, South Korea, probably the most mobile connected country on earth. And, you know, in, even in countries like India, where we're seeing a very aggressive infrastructure rollout for advanced telecom services, the, these countries are bypassing or leapfrogging, shall we say, the, the lack of physical infrastructure that um, is sometimes in need of great investment uh, in, in the West and that they're, they're managing to just go straight to 5G mobile services and particularly for that kind of uh, video-based um, medical consulting platform, you need high-speed um, uh, reliable mobile services. We're now emerging from the COVID-19 pandemic, which has variously affected investors all over the world. But has the COVID-19 pandemic changed your approach to medtech investing? And if so, how? Uh, I don't think it really has changed. Like I said, we've always had a really significant commitment to life sciences and diagnostics. Um, the pace of innovation, I think, has picked up over the last couple of years. Certainly, technology deployment all around the global society has accelerated with the shift to hybrid working. And I think, um, you know, Medtech is no different. Uh, like I said, we have companies that have been right on the front line of the, uh, the, the response, the positive response to, to the pandemic. Companies like Thermo Fisher Scientific and Beckton Dickinson, with their substantial uh, um, COVID testing franchises, have delivered you know, a huge amount of uh, positive um, solutions and positive services. But one thing that the pandemic has done has really shone a, shone a spotlight on the, the state of individual countries' health, healthcare, uh, individual healthcare is what I mean. And looking ahead, what is your outlook for the medtech sector? What investment teams and opportunities are you assessing in the year ahead? The pace of innovation continues to accelerate. I think an area that we are particularly interested in is um, genomic sequencing. One of our companies that we hold is Illumina, the San Diego-based sequencing company. Um, I think they are right at the cutting edge of the, the ability to try and make uh, therapeutic services, therapeutic um, solutions more personalized to the individual. And they're really starting to drive down the cost of genomic sequencing. You know, even the sort of hundred dollar genomic sequence is starting to get in sight, whereas you know previous years it costs thousands of dollars to, to sequence your gene. They're in the process of uh, acquiring a company called Grail, which is going to help around oncology testing using uh, you know uh, uh, blood testing as a as a as a much smoother, simpler path for accurate cancer diagnosis. Thank you very much, Jimmy Jenkins, for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Nick. It's been a pleasure.